Welcome to the Movie Movie Podcast, everybody! Episode number 90, I think. Is this 90? Wow, we are getting close to that 100 number. We have done a lot of podcasts this month, and I hope you all have been enjoying them. Uh, with me, your host, Tiggs, and with my compatriots here, Russ. Don't even have anything funny to say. It's just Russ. <laughs> and Peter. And, uh, see, I, I can't say anything. <laughs> How am I supposed to <laughs> Great, great stuff right now. Um, so uh, normally, how much, how much of an asshole would I sound like if I said something funny at that point? A real asshole, a real, Jesus. real asshole at that point, like hardcore. Oh. Um, we and so instead of doing the top tens, uh, we are going to be doing some honorable mentions this week. Uh, we're going to be going through the honorable mentions that the three of us have. We're also going to be uh, trying to come down or come up with a list of what we think are the worst movies to bring into our top ten podcast next week. So look forward to that. And look forward to some of our honorable mentions, I guess. Um, Which is, I just realized that I think everything we're going to be nominating for worst of the year, Alex hasn't seen. That's fine. That's, that's I think possible. they all come from that that period of time, which is um, the last, last decade years when Alex hasn't seen movies. It's true. Yeah, uh, you might be right. You might be very right. You know what? I think my favorite part of this is that you might be we're crazy. securing the knowledge that he's not going to listen to this, so we can just, like, dunk. <laughs> that he, is you true. Know, he might be on this podcast and just, like, mute it again like that one last time. You know. <laughs> who, who knows? He'll never know it was a prank. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have figured that out to prank that. That would have been a great prank. Um but let's just jump into this, because I think we're each going to be talking about a bunch of movies at this point. So uh, let us start with Russ. Russ, give me one of your honorable mentions. Absolutely. Um, and, and now, keep in mind, like I think that this was one of the stronger years for movies across the board. So these honorable mentions, I, I'm, I, I'm happy that they're getting their own time to shine, because... They were real, real good. And these, in any other year, would have been top tens. I want to stop you there for a second. And I want to say that this year was the hardest top ten I've had to put together. Yes. Like uh, and- as you said before, like this is a year that's not like it's not like okay, what are the really the best movies of the year? And then what are like the Peter movies that Peter thinks are great? Like mm-hmm. this was a I don't know where to fit a movie that I just found delightful. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really really hard, and a lot. And right now, like the the first, my, the first movie on my honorable mentions had a place in my top 10 until just a lot of really delightful movies came out. And that movie is crawl. Oh, that was the first one I was going to talk about too. A young woman while attempting to save her father during a category five hurricane finds herself trapped in a flooding house and must fight for her life against alligators. So good. So good. Uh, directed by um, Alejandre Aja, who's done a lot of really good horror movies as of late. Yeah. Uh, he did the uh, – and, and a lot of uh, claustrophobic ones. The, the one with the creepy dude. Don't breathe. Um, in the house, don't breathe. Yeah. Like Fantastic. Yeah. Even the new Evil Dead, which some people had problems with, but I thought was like a good – it was enjoyable. Uh, Crawl was just so much fun. Yeah. I thought that it, it did so much with its 85 minute runtime. So short. It was great. 
it felt it was it felt like a spiritual successor to Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. Only this time it was like Evil Gators. I just um, love that. And this movie should be terrible. It should or it should be like a B a total B movie, like a goofy dumb movie. And it's actually just legitimately good horror. They play yeah, it so, so seriously that yep. it really works. And I think that that's something that he's done really well. Like I think that Evil Dead in general, uh, like with the exception of the first one. Um, very goofy, con- and even the first one, very goofy concepts that are played goofily. Um, uh, and then the, the remake that he did was just like super serious. First time I saw it, I wasn't that into it. The second time like, I rewatched it, I was like, oh, this movie is actually just like this really brilliant commentary on like addiction. Um, right. and, and so I really love that. Then Don't Breathe was just insane. Just how claustrophobic it felt, how into it felt, how much they did with like a limited set. And this is like, it takes that limited set and adds like a couple more rooms to it. And that's about it. Um, and, and just works on that level again. Uh, I, I am excited to see whatever he does next. I don't know what it is. Yeah. He really does walk that tightrope between, granted, there is a big, huge premise here, but mm-hmm. he doesn't try to do too much in terms of adding to the story. He doesn't try to do too much in, in terms of ramping up the action. Right. Or ramping up the kill rate or ramping up the violence. It's just like, oddly enough, this kind of feels like the most realistic movie about being trapped in a basement with gators. Right. Um, And that's a weird statement to make. I just made a huge gaffe. He did not direct Don't Breathe. Wait, he did? Can you believe that? That was Fidi Alvarez who also did that and and Evil Dead. He did freaking Piranha 3D. Really? Piranha been... 3D, Hills Have Eyes, High Tension, which is one of the scariest oh. movies I've ever seen in my whole entire life. I actually, I stayed up for like a night and a half after watching that movie. That movie fucked with me so bad. Missed. When that ending hits, I was just like, what is going on right now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he was the Hills Have Eyes, High Tension, Piranha 3D. I liked I the first Hills Have Eyes. I loved High Tension. And I liked Piranha 3D. But knowing that he made Piranha 3D... This is even more impressive because I like Piranha 3D because it's a stupid, goofy movie. Right. And Crawl is the exact opposite. As yeah, long well, as this is not Piranha I, 3 Double D. No, I, I hated that. Yeah, that like, was terrible. Piranha 3 Double D is awful. Yeah. Piranha 3D is so. I, I watched it this past year as well. It's so fun. And I think this movie, Crawl only takes the outward silliness out of it. Yeah. And it kind of wears that on its chest as like a badge of honor. Yeah. But like the silliness will still be scary and frightening, you know, even, you know, even like spoiler for crawl. There's so many ding dang gators. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and that's not necessary. And it should be one of those things that you shake your head being like, why are they doing this? But it's so fun when you find out that there's like nine of them. Yeah. I also for uh, a claustrophobic house movie with gators, they they figure out a smart way to like because a lot of the fear is like you don't want this girl to get eaten, right? But you also need people to get eaten, yeah. And I think they do a really good job of like introducing people into the story. They're like, all right, cool, someone's gonna die, yeah, yeah. And the the nice thing about that is that they don't. Um, what was I gonna say? Like, I'm not a I'm not a gator scientist, but what? Yeah, sorry. You've been uh, lying to us for so many years. Tiggs, I just hope we can push past this and oh, continue on with our friendship. This podcast is but over. I don't what think do they ever... 
I just don't think they ever have a gator do something that a gator won't do. Right. I mean, I'm they like, don't like seem 47 like they're meters evil down. gators. They just seem like opportunistic gators that I feel like they would be in that situation. But this, yeah, but this movie ramps up its tension like like three Tremors movies would. Yeah. I feel but like, they, you know, the Tremors movie had to have the Tremors be on foot and then the Tremors fly. And then, like, it's ridiculous. This is just gators. They're just more in different places. I feel like this movie and, like, is one end of the spectrum. And then, like, the second half of 47 Meters Down, um, Uncaged, is, like, the other half. Oh, my God, dude. Where it's, like, this is this is playing it as real as possible and trying to, like, really get you into this terrified state. Whereas, uh, like, like uh, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged goes to the almost Jaws the Revenge level of, like, well, these things can, like, think and, and get out, and they're going to, like, come after you in, in ways that a shark never would. But it's but it plays with it in a, such a fun way that it's totally fine. Um, and, and, like, anything in between is where, like, movies end up becoming very bad about it. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's I guess that's the biggest, like, like, kudos we could ever say to Crawl is that it's a very grounded, believable film. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And it takes place in Florida, and I feel like this would happen there. Yeah. Florida's been getting some good movies recently. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I guess that means we can skip you this round, Tiggs? Oh, I've chosen another one. Because Crawl... Oh, oh, all right. So, go, go, be my guest. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the one that I was already going to talk about this round, um, which is 21 Bridges. And in battle... <laughs> what? An embattled NYPD detective is thrust into a citywide manhunt for a pair of cop killers after uncovering a massive and unexpected conspiracy. You're not serious. I love dumb popcorn movies. And this is the height of, like, a dumb popcorn movie that plays out like I'm just watching, like, a long episode of, like, Law & Order or something like that and totally into it the whole time. Like, had so much fun watching this in the theater. Um, and, and would gladly go and watch it again. It's not a good movie, but this is... So you would see a 22 Bridges? I would totally see it. If they were just like, we got to erect a new bridge to Staten Island, and there's like, wait, we got 22 Bridges now. No, they go to Venice. There's, there's bridges everywhere. There's a bridge to Venice? I, th- I mean, again, this movie, this is not a great movie. Um, this was not in my top 10, uh, or, or like cut from it. This is just one that... That is something that I just enjoyed thoroughly while I was watching it in the same way that I might enjoy like a lockout or something like that. It's like a very serious version of that. Or what if Chad, Chadwick Boseman's cop goes to Madison County? Oh, well, there's, <laughs> there's only one bridge there. It's going to be easy to block all that stuff off. Excuse me. The name of that film is not Bridge of Madison County. Uh, have you watched that movie? All right. I don't I don't need to be called out. <laughs> Well, you, t- to be fair, neither have I. So I don't know how many bridges there actually are in Madison County. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess I'll watch 21 Bridges. I, I yeah, enjoyed I, it. I have nothing to say about 21 Bridges. <laughs> Except I respect you, Tiggs. <laughs> I, and, I, and, I, and I as well. I guess I'll rent it. Yeah. I just, I just, that movie just feels like Anthony and Joe Russo looked down at their schedule after Endgame and were like, oh, what do we do next? And then they, and then they, look next on the floor like below their cork board and it said 21 bridges comes out like two months later no it just said untitled <laughs> 80s cop mu- like movie and it was like all right we'll go with this one and they're like oh god people are go- um, are gonna think the next thing we worked on even though they're just producers yeah is 21 bridges and we're going to be jokes yeah 
But no, not not in Tiggs' heart. Not in my heart. Not in my heart of hearts. All right, Pete, what do you got for me for your first honorable mention? Ooh, my first honorable mention. We mentioned it slightly last week um, on our Oscar cast, and I want to talk a little bit more about it. And it is the animated Netflix film, I Lost My Body. Oh, yeah. I still need to see this. Mm. This is I'm sorry? Didn't see it. This is It's a French animated film. Um, so it's this, uh, a story of uh, Naufel, a young man who is in love with Gabrielle. In another part of town, a severed hand escapes from a dissection lab determined to find its body again. So is this like the Adams family? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there is a hand that walks around like uh, it. No, the thing. Thi- uh, like thing, like Adams family. And is like scouring, um, uh, I guess, uh, Paris for its hand. Wait, it I'm is sorry, hand. the rest of its body. Ah. So, I mean, I think there's some obvious connections that you can, of course, make to this, uh, like, in the plot itself, so it's not really a spoiler or anything. Like, what you what you think is the truth is the truth. Um, but it's a really lovely story, kind of almost in the sense of uh, um, Swiss Army Man. Okay. Which is, like, how do you teach yourself to go on and live? Okay. Um, and it's gorgeously animated, uh, beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, and, and like the, as I said, the hand stuff is great. And in the first two minutes, like the hand, it's not, it's not like gory or anything, but granted, like the first thing the hand does is accidentally kill a pigeon. So it's like a little bit freaky with it. Okay. Hmm. But where this builds and where the story goes and it's kind of, it is truly like, as I said, like if you've seen Swiss, Swiss army man is all about like convincing a part of your psyche that wanted to die that the reason it wanted to die for was stupid interesting and and moving on with what you have and moving on with who you are um is this really the central theme of this movie and as i said it's gorgeous i do really want to check this one out still um, this is one that's kind of been on my list, um, since it's been getting some like nods and, and since you were talking about it last week. Um, yes. yeah, I forgot that this was nominated for the Academy Award last week. And as I said, like usually animated film, I am a huge, like a huge, huge, huge waving the flag, rah, rah, cheerleading for one movie. And I forgot yeah. that this is there and I am so want to push for this and and a big theme for my honorable mentions are things that you could watch right now okay so uh i lost my bodies up on netflix i highly suggest it nice uh russ uh okay i i guess my well i guess most of my uh or all of my um just missed it you can pretty much watch in some form or another, but my next one would have to be Booksmart. Ooh, good choice, good choice. Hi. I thought this movie was. I I like a smart teen comedy, and I thought this this was like the logical successor to a movie like Superbad. Yes, the the, the comparisons are pretty obvious. It's like we want to yeah. have a crazy night, and we're too not so cool people. So, and my older brother was in super bad and now I'm in book smart. So I get that there's a lot of similarities, but I think this does a really good job of painting high schoolers. Like they kind of are right now. And also showing that sometimes being that like holier than now I'm super smart. 
uh, person isn't all that cool. You know, like it, it's cool to be like the, the the woke hero who does all the good stuff, but like if that's coming at a cost, maybe it's not worth it. Yeah, and it's nice to see that be painted in a really fair way. Uh, but I thought the two uh, leads and Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein were great. This was Olivia Wilde's first movie directed, and she knocked it knocked, out of yeah. the park. Yeah. I do not know why this movie bombed so badly. Me either. It was shocking. There was it so much done well. So much behind it too. There was so much promotion. Like everyone was talking about it. Um, like it, I don't crazy. know how it didn't do well. I work in a school. I feel like kids would have liked it. I did they? I think they might have went a little too small on the marketing. But like this bombed, and Good Boys was a hit. It felt like there was a lot of like Instagram marketing for this one, like the social media marketing versus like actually um, like more trailers, more billboards, stuff like that. I think you still need. I think you still need that stuff in yeah. in some respects. Like, I, but yeah, I'm shocked that this movie didn't do well because in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be one. Even though it wasn't a wide, like a crazy wide release, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those like. Somewhere between studio movie and indie darling. Yeah. It's, it I was like, it's gonna, and it, it did so poorly that no one talked about it. This, yes. So it, uh, to your point, this came out a week after John Wick chapter three. Hmm. This came out the same week as Brightburn and Aladdin. And I don't think it's competing with either of those films. No. Nope. Nope. This came out the week before Rocket Man. Godzilla, King of Monsters, and Ma. And I don't think anyone's like, no, I can't go see this. I'm going to the movies next week. Right. This felt like the perfect weekend to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it was late. It was late in the, in the school year. Maybe it was too early in the latter part of the school year. Would it have done better in June? I don't know. Maybe. Like when, when kids are re- like taking their finals and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. But I, it looked like it was coming out at a prime time. Yeah. It just did not do anything. Like there, yeah, the, there is no reason for Good Boys to have been like the success that it was in this not to be. If we did, if we did do like an eleven through twenty for our list, this this probably would have been somewhere in there for me. Um, like really funny and and just charismatic as all hell. Um, yeah. terrible that it that how how bad, how poorly it ended up doing. Yeah, as you said, like the theme of it's so interesting. Like it, Grant, you know, the eighties and early nineties went through that mold of. Uh, John Hughes movies that like you know all teenagers fall into a category and there's like six of them and I think like early aughts movies that weren't necessarily about you know ugly girls quote unquote ugly girls getting pretty were like no there's more categories though and this is the new film that's like no that shit's so stupid right yep no no one is a thing like along the lines of like what's so good about American Vandal Still have to watch that. Right, right, right. Uh, so, oh, question real quick for Tiggs. As, as uh, myself and Russ, who work in schools. About what did you bridges? About, I'm sorry? About how many bridges there are in New York City? I can tell you. 20 yeah, yeah, I just want to go back to that real quick. <laughs> what did you feel about the uh, teacher, the Jessica Williams character of the teacher that goes to the party and hooks up with the student? I thought it was super weird. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> one 
that's the part of the movie that really drops it down for me because it felt so out of place. Yeah. Uh, now that I wonder if that was back. studio interference because I'm like that to me didn't feel like it had any place in this movie. That felt like an 80s, like you could have like, had that teacher be thing. a little more interesting, a little funny or whatever. Yeah. And Jessica Williams is awesome, but I'm like, why does? Like, she felt like she was in an American Pie movie while everyone yep. else was in, like, a real movie. It felt yeah, I think completely how it, out of how place from her. to the world of this movie is everyone says, oh, you know, blah, teacher, you're really cool. You should come hang out with us. You should do this. And even the two main characters meet up with her, and they're like, yeah, thank you so much. You should do this. When she shows up, every kid should say, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's the weird thing of like in this movie where it takes those like things from like whether it be like the 80s, 90s or, or, or early aughts, like gross out teen movies and kind of turns it on its head and, and makes you rethink about it. Except for this one thing that would fit in that in all of those movies perfectly. Yeah. Yes. And that's a good point. It does. It actually this movie does kind of lift from the 80s, the 90s and the 2000s, which were all different types of teen movies. Yeah. And it does like make this like like almost beautiful deconstruction minus this character who I'm like, was this, was this a, a first draft character that someone right. was in love with or was this studio interference that were like, we need something goofy, but I don't get, it doesn't fit. Yeah. It's like someone else wrote that character and someone else wrote the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that it's just, fuck, I completely forgot my train of thought. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to pass. Okay. All well, right. then let's keep going then. Um, I'll take this next one since we seem to have an order. Uh, this one I feel like is going to be controversial that it's not on my top 10 list. Um, but I, I wanted to give it a mention because this was basically in the 9 to 10 slot and I cut it today. Um, and that is Uncut Gems. Um, so I mean, yeah, cool. Old move. Uh, charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high-stakes bets that could uh, lead to... The, well, I don't really need to. We all know what this one is. Um, I think that this performance is amazing. And that is a shame that Adam Sandler did not get a nod for this. And I can't explain why he wouldn't have gotten a, a nod for any of this. Um, I think that the thing that... The only reason I think that it shot great, uh, I think that it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I, I think that the disconnect with me is, is that I, at, I rarely felt the discomfort that everyone else kept talking about um, because I just didn't care if he won or I didn't care what happened to him in the long run because he was just such an unlikable character. He was great at it, but I didn't have that feeling that was just like, I need to see this guy do better. I like, I didn't think it was ever good. That wasn't his character. His character was never going to be better. Uh, and I knew that. Okay. that that's, that's a fair, that's a fair argument. What the Safdie brothers kind of do is they take characters that aren't that likable. And then they gradually plunge them into making worse and worse decisions. Yeah. And I, my anxiety is just watching how dumb, these people are because I'm imagining myself in said situations and I'm like, no buddy, don't do that. Yeah. But I, I know that when they make a movie, they're not making somebody that I'm going to give a shit about. Right. So I could disassociate myself from it and still have the anxiety. Yeah. I, and I totally get that too, because like this, is, like everyone is just like this. I was so ang like the, the level of anxiety throughout this movie was just like insane. And I definitely felt it at times, but it never got to that level where I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, um, because I felt so 
disassociated or, or or just like uncaring about what the character was to the point where it's just like this no matter what happens this is a guy that's never going to change like yeah. and and that's and and that was the ultimate thing that was like that's why i end up taking it out of the top 10 like barely taking it out of the top 10 um okay yeah my take on that movie is slightly different um i will save it wink yeah. for another time obviously um so I think what 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 I think is elevates this movie as well is that you know you'll see all these different movies and they'll they'll talk about they'll talk up like oh yeah we use so many like non actors yeah there are so many characters in this movie that are not actors that you would have yep. would have guessed to look them up on IMDb like oh I guess oh where else have I seen this character actor and they are not actors yeah like. The the two guys at the pawn shop where he pawns his Knicks ring, or or the Celtics ring, not actors. The the guys that are looking at him for money early on, not actors. Not actors. Yeah. The, the the head tough, like the like the like the biggest heavy of the entire film, not an actor. Mike Francesa, not an actor. Yeah, yeah. not an actor. Like it's it's like movies like Grinch. You know, you'll watch like Mumblecore stuff, and you can tell like they're you know, but. They and Julia Fox performances out of these people that it does not feel like as I, I swear I could have looked up so many people in this movie being like, do I know them from something else? And like, what tiny other role did they play? And they are not actors. nothing. Yeah. And that is that is 100 percent commendable. I, I totally agree with you uh, in that. I think that is really cool. And I think that they are able to create like like this crazy nihilistic character world that like would would have fit in like like a Mike Lee movie from like the nineties and it like, it all works out really like, like it plays that perfectly. Um, and again, this is like the number 11 for me of the year. Um, and just barely narrowly cut. Um, it, it, again, the performance that Adam Sandler did and, and, and also the, and the, uh, the short that's come out since then. Um, really fantastic. Oh, uh, you mean Times Square Parasite? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Times Square Parasite. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, this, I thought this movie was dope and it it took, like you were saying, Pete, to get this many excellent performances out of first time performers is absurd. But these guys, like they knew they had their idea and it wasn't easy for them to get these people booked in the movie, in the movie. They had to fight for all these regos and for them to fight for all those people. And it worked out on every single one. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. All right. Pete, give us your next one. Uh, yeah, this next one, um, also on Netflix. And it's kind of like one that I want to highlight just because I think people might write it off, even though it's in Oscar contention, uh, is The Two Popes. Still haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think that's... Don't think I want to. Exactly. I think that's going to be so many people's, um, sort of things. Like, I don't want to see it. Yeah, okay. Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. Like, oh my god, I'm shocked Jonathan Price got nominated, blah, 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 blah. But kind of almost, I guess, my feelings close to Booksmart would be the scenes that work in this movie, mm-hmm. I could have watched for four hours. Okay. I wish this movie was only Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins talking to each other. Every scene that's the two of them and no one else, I could have watched for, as I said, ten hours. I could have watched seven Irishman versions of the two popes. They were so charming and so interesting and so funny together. 
granted, this movie has to do a lot of work to also be like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. We know that Benedict did some really bad shit. And yes, we know Pope Francis is not popular in Argentina, and they spend time telling you why. But when they're together, and the wide stretches that it's just two men on screen playing these two characters are so charming and so funny. And I almost wish this movie was complete fiction. Because if this movie was just completely fiction, it would be top five of the year. Because because it has as I said, it has so much other work to do, it has so much like be like yeah yeah we we know they're you know the Catholic Church and these popes like not perfect even though like the papacy is supposed to, like even though they're like technically are like in some circles yeah. like it's weird but when it's just the two of them it's amazing especially because this movie gets to a point in which it's so enjoyable watching them together this movie has a comedic ending just a scene that plays under the credits oh and it gets to the point in which i if i didn't like this movie i would watch that scene and say this is completely made up um this is so stupid and silly why are they doing this but this scene because it's so good i don't care if someone told me that scene was made up i'd slap them in the face like <laughs> okay it was so good it was so funny like I, can't, I, I, I don't. It's almost like I don't want to spoil the joke credit scene of the two popes because it's so enjoyable. Nick Fury shows up. Yeah, and it's just yeah. I don't I'm like. I, don't, as I, said, <laughs> I was gonna say start this movie, and if you don't like it, just wait for the two of them to act against each other. Okay, that's that's why for me it's like it's an honorable mention because, as I said, if this was just the two of them talking to each other for an hour and a half, it's gonna, it would be tough to beat. Yeah. Okay, that's all, right. all I got. <laughs> all right, Russ. Okay, um, the next... I'm going to cheat, and my next movie is actually two movies, and it's the uh, redemption of Shia LaBeouf in Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey mm. Boy. Nice. Um these movies to me feel like they are, are, are us remembering that Shia LaBeouf is actually good at acting and a very, very talented young, very, very talented young performer who just like fell on some harder times. But Peanut Butter Falcon is just like a really, really delightful, like Mark Twain sort of, uh, story, Mark Twain esque story that kind of, kind of grown up to to fit a, a modern narrative and honey boy is just a really really incisive look at what Shia LaBeouf comes from and in both he gives really really excellent performances that help ground movies together that should be really really difficult um especially peanut butter falcon considering he's acting most of the time against a first uh, an, uh, a, a pretty much new actor in Zach Gatsajan, the uh, the actor with Down syndrome, yeah. and to to really sell that relationship between the two of them as brothers. I think they both do a phenomenal job, but I think just watching both of these movies, that and Honey Boy, where he's playing his father, remind you that man, this kid is really good when he wants to be. Yeah, and when he's got his stuff together. 
I think both of those movies were really good. And at some point they both may have been in my top 10, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they, they fell out, but I think they're still really excellent movies that you should try and see. Honey boy will be out soon. And peanut butter Falcon is out right now. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen honey boy, but as Pete said, I will save my comments on peanut butter Falcon till next week. So I'll talk a little, real quick for me. So two things for peanut butter Falcon. It, first of all, it might have my favorite scene of any movie of the year, which is the first scene in which all three of them are in the on the raft out at sea. Where they're oh, trying to hold their breath. So funny. Yeah. yeah. That scene is so well-crafted, so well-acted, accomplishes every goal it wishes to accomplish, and it might be the most perfect scene of the year. Yeah. Uh, my other thing, I would suggest if you want to see the incredible accomplishment – of Shia, of Zach, of um, Shailene, of the writers and directors of this movie, watch any live interview with uh, Zach, the actor with Down Syndrome. He, live on camera, understandably, he has a very difficult time, you know, explaining himself, answering questions, like feeling comfortable. And the fact that they worked with him to get such an incredible natural performance out of him yeah is is says so much about the love and care of every single person working on this film yeah but yeah uh, as i said uh quite possibly scene of the absolute you know what fuck it scene of the year (laughs) all right pete how about you give us your next honorable mention cool i think i mentioned this one recently but i I didn't see it when it first came out uh my next one is her smell I think we stopped reading the IMDb things, but I'll do it. Um, a self-destructive punk rocker struggles with sobriety while trying to recapture the creative inspiration that led her band to success. Um, if you shut this movie off in the first 20 minutes, I get it. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So you're talking about me. <laughs> yeah. If you shut this movie off, if you're thinking about shutting this movie off in the first 20 minutes because you're having trouble with it, you're going to need to wait another 35 minutes before you feel comfortable. The absolute depths in which this movie spends with Elizabeth Moss being an absolute crazy person. Yeah. It goes for so long. The only close movie to this, what I would say would be the long stretch of the beginning of Waves, which I watched today. Oh, nice. In which it really sits and how fucked up the situation is and it time jumps and you're and you're watching it like okay i've seen how far down this character can go start the redemption and then it's like and then the movie's like no 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 we haven't we have another one and but to watch the performance that she gives in this movie um i i felt she really carried me along hmm. i think I, she's incredible my only issue with the movie and why i turned it off was i it, I normally am, I'd say, a card-carrying, oh, boy, this is dark and it's bad people doing bad stuff. Like, that's one of my that's one of my jams. But I just was not in the right space for that movie. I put it on thinking it was going to be something other than it was. Yeah. And then I was like, nope, I can't do this right now. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, like, not that. So I couldn't watch it. And then as a result, I did, it just kind of fell off for me. But it had it come out around the time that every effed up A24 movie came out, I probably would have seen it. 
Also, I think this was a movie that I should have seen in a theater where I couldn't leave yeah. the experience. I think you need you if 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 you have in your home a comfy couch, stand up and sit in a chair with arms on it, so you feel slightly trapped. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. that was my thing to get away from it, so I yeah. did. You have to. You, I think you need you need armrests. You need armrests to to grip. You need armrests to squirm in, and and feel like you cannot walk away from the absolute hurricane that Elizabeth Moss is in this movie. I thought she would have got more love, even just not even Oscars, just in general. And she I, hope, I really hope so. I think she's so good in it. Um, I, 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 as I said, it, it completely sits in it, and I think it's really great because it, it. I think what it does, what other movies about rock stars, real or fake, doesn't do, mm-hmm. is it doesn't say he, like he, there's no charming moment of this person drug problem this person's mental health issues it's not like success can happen while they're a piece of shit and success doesn't need to stop the second they do something big they could be this way forever and we yeah. wouldn't know that yeah uh, and i think she plays it so well there's the the second scene because the first scene's like like kind of feels like one continuous shot about like this before a show of theirs the second scene in which they're trying to record the album, and she's in the recording studio, she looks like a lioness in a cage who just noticed that there's food outside of the cage. It's so affecting, and it's so heavy, and it's so nerve-wracking. I I was transfixed. Um, but as I said, if you, uh, like, uh, no shade, if you turn on this movie and you want to shut it off, shut it off. <laughs> If if you're not getting if you're not interested in to see how far this can go, jump off this train. Yeah, I get it. it keeps getting recommended to me on Amazon. Um, but I, and I've I've seen it there. I've thought about it, watched the trailer, and I just I never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, this is currently on HBO Go as well. Oh. If I, as I said, I, I want to recommend movies you can watch right now. Look at that. Cool. All right, for my next one. I am going to pick the comic book movie that made it closest to making my top 10 list, and that's Shazam. Uh, yeah. A newly fostered young boy in search of his mother in, uh, instead finds unexpected superpowers uh, and soon gains a powerful enemy. I thought that this, more than any of the other superhero movies that come out, and I, and I think we should talk about some comic book movies uh, in, in relation to this as well, uh, was the most well done. I, I think this is the best DC movie uh, by far. Uh, it had the most charm. It, it had the, it, it was the funniest. It, it was the one that actually nailed the tone that it needed to, to, to like tell. It, it nailed the creepy stuff. Um, I think that uh, Zachary Levi's performance was fantastic. Uh, I thought that all the kids were really great as well. I, I thought that the Shazam, the Shazam family, uh, spoiler uh, at the end Shazam-ly. was just the Shazamily at the end was was this this great moment that I wasn't <laughs> expecting. Um, <laughs> And I think that this speaks to maybe a greater issue with how comic book movies always used to make at least some dip into some of our top tens. Um, and we've had Endgame, we had this, we had uh, Spider-Man, we had Captain Marvel. And I don't know if it's just there's been so many of them coming out so much over the last decade 
that it's it's finally starting to like get a little bit like feeling a little tired. Uh, all right, all right. I I I I think I've been thinking about this now for a while. Okay. I think I don't think I have fatigue because I'm always as excited to see these movies when they come out. It's just it. Now that I know what the heights of these movies are, it it's going to take a lot to crack my actual top ten because, especially as it relates to Marvel, you just told mo- like twenty two, twenty three movies that were designed to interlock. Yeah. So it's hard for me to get one of those in my top ten unless it feels like it only exists in and of itself, and that's no Marvel movie. Yeah. And Endgame, I think. Which, spoiler alert, I'm kind of done because Endgame would have been my last one. Endgame doesn't make my top ten because it's not really a movie. Yeah. It's a culmination. It, it's a culmination of, a, of like, ten years of stuff. It's not yeah. a, But it's not a movie in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, Shazam, really good. If I was ten, uh, 15 years younger, it might have made my top ten because it's basically just big. But yep. what I like, what I do think it's one of the better DC movies because it's the first one that that like truly feels like it matches what it's supposed to match, yeah, and how it's supposed to match. Like Wonder Woman, the movie doesn't feel like Wonder Woman the comic. Neither does Aquaman the movie feel like Aquaman the comic. They're great interpretations, but Shazam feels like Shazam, and I like that. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point about you know they they keep having to like outdo themselves. Um, and the one-upsmanship of like seeing these movies and being just like, oh my gosh, can you believe that that just happened? Can you believe that that happened? And having the discussions afterwards, um, that that really, I can't like it, it was not Endgame, but I guess, um, oh god, what was like the the one right before Endgame, the Avengers Infinity War, Infinity War that really just solidified like, okay this is what everything needs to lead up to now. And that movie can't be made without 10 years of movies before it. Um, and and it, it, it's just like, that's an exhausting proposition when I'm yeah. talking about what I think is the best thing that I see in a given year. Yeah. I love the Marvel movie and I'm not, I'm not taking a, a Scorsese stance. No. Uh, Cause I think that's also a stupid stance. You wouldn't have got the technology to make your fucking movie w- without the movies that have, that you're shitting on. So, Settle down. Yeah. But, so here I come. Here he, I'm going to get us some clicks, guys. You guys ready for the buzz? Uh-oh. Uh, hashtag I'm with Scorsese. I'm, uh, I 100% agree with him, but I also love theme park rides, so I don't care. Yeah, well, it's also I, like I think, that's why people go to the movies, exa- man. Yeah, exa- yeah, yeah but totally. His, but his sentiments is exactly why a movie like Endgame that I've seen twice and cried a lot more than I've cried at any other movie this year is nowhere near my top 10. Yeah. It's not cinema. It's incredible movie going experience. It is, it is, it is, it is this amazing intersection between movie history, character history, personal history, culture as a whole that feels so good, but it's not, as you said, end games, not a movie. No, I don't think that's if, – if the other thing – I think the people that are taking a bad thing away from Scorsese, or maybe Scorsese said this, but I don't think that's a bad thing. No, me either. I, I, think, the, I, I think the problem with, the, with, the, with Scorsese is he keeps leaning in and saying, 
uh, they're they're despicable. They're bad. They're dumb. no, they're not. They're like Endgame isn't a movie. It's probably one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had in a theater. Yeah, uh, th- but it's it, like going to a Fathom event. It's the it's I would the say that's my favorite movie. It's the doubling down that he keeps seems to or that he's done multiple times. I think the first comment was it was just like they're not for me. They seem like theme park rides. That's not my cinema. Totally understand it. Perfect. Okay, sure, I get it. Um, and, and it's been everything that's come out since that because I totally like I 100% agree with that kind of sentiment. Like, but I love going to the movies to just have a great freaking time. Like to see like Fast and the Furious or or like the Terminator movie. Like whatever it doesn't matter. Like if you're if yep. you're going to keep me interested in it, like for with explosions or with really, I mean, explosions can't be everything. You have to have like decent characters or at least or hopefully really good characters with really great performances that are then like elevated by all the explosions. And that's what these movies do better than anything else. Yeah. Um, but again, I love a roller coaster. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let us keep it moving then. And Russ, give me your next one. Uh, it, again, it really would have just been end game, but yeah. if we're playing oh, by the rules of me getting an extra one, yeah. uh, <laughs> I would say Knives Out. Ooh. I thought it was super fun. I I saw, like, I think I saw the day it came out or, like, the Thursday night beforehand. I thought that it, that when it was doing the thing of kind of discussing without really discussing race and gen, and, and class and... In, and ideas like that, uh, w- as it relates to the, the relationship between that family and the caretaker, all those little side comments, I thought were just so fun. Yeah, I, the mystery still- to me was like the least was the part I was least interested in, in as in as much as just watching these characters exist in this little uh uh sandbox i thought everything i thought the characters were awesome the dialogue was great i i think it deserves it's a it's a screenplay script because the script in this movie is tight but i just i just thought it was a lot of fun i just it's just it it just fell below what i would consider like one of the best films of the year but it's it's up there i really liked it yeah, so this this movie's higher on my list than some of the honorable mentions I've been saying, but I was like, try, I, I'm like trying to go away from things that have been nominated or things that I thought maybe other people would say. Um, and just to echo Russell, like, yeah, the the running joke of all the family members saying she like Marta's family's from a different country that is hilarious. It's so good, and I don't think people pay like I, I think there are people who watch the movie and don't really even pay attention to that. Yeah. And I think that's the the thing I really like about this movie is it's a lot more densely packed than you expect. And there's some people who go into it for the mystery and just get that. But to me, all that, like, like what they're saying, all, all of what he's saying about race and class and gender and wokeness, and, uh, even having, like, the, 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 uh, the one girl who's, like, you know, young, woke warrior type, and then the... Doc's army sort of alt-right boy. They're the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I... If you're you're rich. I recently rewatched this movie, and I think it's so fun a second time around. 
I think the 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 moment in the movie in which it really pulls the rug out from under you um, still works. I, yeah, I don't I, want to spoil it whatsoever anymore. Like, I, 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 I hope everyone's seen it, but like, it's, it's still so effective. Uh, I'll talk more about it next week. Yeah, just, be, just because I think you watch that movie and as that scene's unfurling, you're like, this can't be what's happening. No, yeah. this is the movie I came to see, and then it happened. Then it actually happened. You're like, okay, what the fuck? Like, you almost want to look at your watch and be like, wait a second, there's another hour and a half left. Yeah, uh, I did. I did do that. I'm like, uh, I thought, uh, what? Yeah, it's one of those scenes that, as it happened, I, I was so glad when I saw it again because I don't. I think for the next five minutes, I was just smiling from ear to ear, laughing, like, oh, I'm so excited for where this movie's going that I might even be ignoring what's actually happening right now. Yeah, so I good. think it's so. Perfect. Um, and it's it's one of those movies that when I saw the second time, I really appreciated where it goes with Jamie Lee Curtis's character by mm-hmm. the end of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because of where she, I don't, as I said, I don't want to spoil it. Well, maybe you know, but it's just like it's it's nice what it does with her because of her stance in the family or her stance in the theme, kind of. But whatever. <laughs> All right, Pete, you got another I, one for us. This is, this is a movie that, like, I, I would spoil every single movie we're going to talk about for the next three weeks before I would spoil Knives Out. Yeah, yeah I agree. This, you just, like, you need to see this movie and really kind of drink it in. It's a lot of fun. It, it really, it, it, I think as far as, like, a movie, because some comedies I laugh at the stuff no one laughs at and other people laugh at stuff I don't. I feel like when I was in the theater for Knives Out, People, there were there was like a a fair amount of laughter at all of the right things. Yeah, and that was nice. Oh, remind me once we get because this is a huge spoiler. When we get off air, I need to tell you my knives out theater story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Save save that for later. Saving that and for later. Listen, hey, I'm sorry. I guess you're gonna. Have that to is try. all of my uh, movies. All right, Pete. What do you you got any more? Wait, I thought did wait. Oh, Resident Two Five. I did. You did all of it. I this. did Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey Boy at the same time. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, oh, so real quick. So you know how The Irishman is three hours long. Yep. And it's about like it doesn't matter what you do because you're going to die anyway, and it's probably going to be alone and sad. Yeah. Well, instead, how about you spend three hours watching a movie about um, the fact that. It doesn't matter because you're going to die, so maybe not be the most virtuous person in the world and watch A Hidden Life. Oh. Mm. I still need to watch that. It is... <clears throat> it's directed by Terrence Malick, so... Uh, you, know, you know you're getting some good tree and mountain shots. You, you, you know what you're in for if it's Malick. Yeah. I have a little more to say about this movie, but I'll say it next week. Yeah. This movie, it, it got real close to me. It's... It, it dropped out for just the reasons that I am almost afraid of this movie because it it really it pulls its trick so well in the sense that you know exactly what this movie's going to be for three hours before you walk in the door. Yeah. And then every ten minutes, you are almost pleading with yourself yep. for the movie to be something else. And you just keep lying to yourself and lying to the movie and and 
and the movie's not like tricking you. No, and and that's and I and that's why I feel like I need to see it again because I I wouldn't stop doing that thing of thinking it would be something other than it was until I find out that it's not, and then I'm kind of at peace. But I almost want to watch it with that peace, knowing like okay. no, what he's showing you is what's happening. Yes, same. Even though, but that's the weird thing. I walked in the first viewing almost knowing that. And it's, it's still, it's the grand trick in the movie. As I said, like, it's so beautiful and it's, it's so well acted and it's just, but it's, it's, the movie is like sinking into quicksand for three hours and it's difficult and beautiful. And even in its sadness, it's beautiful. But as I said, it is a movie that will make you lie to yourself and prove to almost prove to yourself that you are an optimist Hmm. in the face of like, absolutely overwhelming pessimism you have an optimist bone in your body yep is that is that out can i see that anywhere no that is the one movie on my honorable mentions that you cannot currently see uh tiggs i'll show you how you can watch (laughs) (laughs) appreciate that yeah all All right. right I have. Oh, wait, are we? Oh, you have one more takes? Uh, I could drum up one more and talk for a brief second about Freaks, um, which was a movie that uh, that Pete you uh, recommended. Um, so I went out, watched it, and just like a really well done version of all of the comic book movie stuff that we've been seeing, or, or that we've kind of grown tired of. Uh, well, that's not fair, um, but taking that concept and elevating it to something different, um, something more adult, uh, and doing something interesting for once with like the concept of X-Men, um, which really has not been done ever in an X-Men movie with the exception of like three minutes in X-Men two. Um, I I think that all the performances are fantastic. I I think that, uh, the, the friendship that you end up, that ends up happening, uh, between uh, uh, was Emil Hirsch and Bruce Stern, you kind of feel it. Uh, I think that you, the the powers all feel real. Uh, it, it all feels natural, and it feels creepy as all hell. Uh, it almost feels like Lynchian and weird at times, which is kind of oh. how like uh, an X Men movie. Why didn't any be. of you say it was Lynchian? <laughs> as I, I I try I didn't want to give too much away about this movie because it's the one it's the one thing that works for this movie is that it's as Tick said it's like. What we don't need in fun movies is we don't need history. Yeah. Like, we get it. Like, we're, we're – our movie-going movie intelligence is so much bigger than what happens in the real world now. Right. I don't I need to see a guy get bitten by a radioactive spider to know that he's Spider-Man. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Which, to be fair, they didn't do this time. So, thank you for that. Um but like the, all the like the early ice cream truck stuff is so creepy. Um, the, the all the powers of the girl with, with the neighbors it, it's all so weird and so creepy. Um, everything about this movie is it's really well done and just like it's what in some ways it's like oh, Brightburn, you really missed the mark where Freaks picked it up. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, this this is the movie that 100% I wish Brightburn was. Yeah. I completely forgot about that other one. Uh, yeah, it's I, I, I've talked about it so much to, to so many people. Um, and it's just, it's just, I don't know, I think it's a cure for fatigue. Like, as I said, like, we're, we're a smart movie-gawdy audience. We can understand the world. Because, because like, we don't have to 
tell us what mutants are. You don't have to tell us who superheroes are. You don't have to tell us what secret identities mean to people. Like we have that knowledge is so ingrained in our culture. Yeah. And I think this is the, the lesson of this movie can be applied to so much. Less is more. And oddly enough, a movie that plays on this so well is Little Women. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because of the fact that they don't that that Greta decides you, we don't have to do the story linear, linearly, she's like, I get that you understand where they are. I get that you understand their issues. Let's just go, and I'm going to tell this in a way. That's just going to start doing it. Yeah, it, it's it's in the collective consciousness already. You don't need to explain away things. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to waste time on that. And, and Freaks does that in a very in a, in a fantastic way. Uh, next time I see you, I'm gonna give you a little kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, aside from the kiss, we are now going to start nominating some worst movies of. I had, I, I, oh. I had my fifth. I only said four, right? Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. Uh... I lost my body. Two popes. Hidden life. First mount. Okay, give us your fifth. Oh wait, uh, hidden. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because this is something I mentioned in passing last week. Um, the souvenir. Oh, I want to see this still. Which is currently on, I believe, Amazon Prime. Going back to movies you can watch right now. Sponsored by Peterson. Um, and that so, truck going by. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This is a sli- kind of semi-autobiographical movie by the writer-director. Mm-hmm. Um, this is and only part one, right? Isn't there going to be a part two? I believe so. Yeah. Because the interesting thing about how this movie is constructed is she wrote a script and gave it to everyone except the young actress that's playing her. And the only thing she gave to this young actress was her journals from this time in her life. Oh. To be like... So you kind of know what's happening. I just want I want you to react and try to deal with what everyone else is doing. Because it's it's kind of a story about a young first love that is so bad. Okay. <laughs> so awful, so terrible. Everyone in the world, every audience member is saying this is bad. This is garbage. Yeah. But the main character doesn't understand that. And it's so difficult to watch in that way for some of it, but it's so engaging to watch in that way because the actress, you know, doesn't have that much agency through the movie because she doesn't know what's happening that many times. You almost feel that she knows that everyone else has an idea of what's going on in the scene, but she's just trying to live in it. So it almost, it, it, it really pushes that idea forward that you are just young you think this is love and it doesn't matter what's wrong that makes it so engrossing and so difficult and it quite possibly has the biggest piece of shit uh male character since uh jgl in 500 days of summer wow I do want to see this. I, this was completely off my radar until I heard I, there was a, uh, I think it was the A24 podcast um, with Scorsese and the director um, where they mostly talked about the souvenir the whole time. And it really, like, it really sounded uh, super interesting and, and fascinating. And it's one that I want to, uh, I've been meaning to check out. Yeah. You really, as you really get to see her grow. You really get to see her change. But God, this person drags her down and you just, you want to scream at her. Yeah. You just want to scream. And it's, but it's, it's relatable in that way. Like we've all had 
shitty relationships and people that we've ignored every little thing of just because it was new or because it was new to us or, or new to the, like whatever. And it's that difficulty makes this movie frustrating, but so honest. All right. Yeah. All right, so now let's move on to our nominees for the worst film of the year. I, I think we've all got a couple. Uh, Pete, I'm going to start with you this time. Uh, give me a nominee for worst movie. Oh, uh, my nominees kind of have a theme. Should I should I explain the theme first? Explain the theme. So I think 2019 should go down as the year of kind of what Tatigs was saying before that, like we're we don't need this familiarity anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't need the spoon fed next thing. Like you don't need to give us the reboot. You don't need to give us a sequel. You don't need to get like mostly my worst movie of the year are just the things that no one asked for. Yeah. And the second you try to do that, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I guess I don't know where to – should I start at the top of my worst or the bottom of my worst? But I guess I'll begin with um, Hellboy. Oh, that was my first. All right. Okay. Hellboy is just – It's so I've, I've read probably 80% of Hellboy comics. Mm-hmm. I've read hundreds of BPRD comics. I've seen both Hellboy movies. I've seen a lot of the animated Hellboy movies. The thing I didn't need right now – is another Hellboy movie. And yeah. even, I don't, you know what, when everyone was like, oh man, it's a bummer, Guillermo del Toro is not making Hellboy 3, I don't want him to. Yeah. And I think this year was the year that proved to me that that's not what we want. Yeah. We don't, it, it, it's, like granted, as I said, Avengers Endgame was such an amazing experience. As I said, I cried for like the last 40 minutes of it. But I don't, I'd rather artists and actors and all these people just go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hashtag freaks. <laughs> no, I think that this is a completely irrelevant and unnecessary movie. Um, I didn't even have like fun watching it. Um, uh, it's just sort of, it's there and it's weird that it came out. Um, and, and I feel like I'm going to say the same thing with, uh, one of my, or my nomination as well. Um, but there, it, I don't know who this was for. Does anyone still care about? I mean, no one cared about Hellboy probably when like the second one came out either. But it was Guillermo del Toro. Uh, the first one came out at the time where the comic books were actually still relevant, and, and now it's just like, well, we have this property. Let's make a movie out of it. Yeah. Hellboy's been dead since like 2014. Did did the creator actually kill him off? Yeah, that's funny. Hellboy's been dead. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, so here's here's the thing that I think Hollywood needs to understand. And this, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think there's a single David Harbour fan in the world. No. I think people like his character in Stranger Things, but I don't think anyone's sitting around being like, why is no one casting David Harbour in more stuff? Right. And it's going to be the same thing in Winter Soldier. Who gives a shit about him? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. This was their attempt to make, I don't know. It's the attempt to like really break him out into like a greater mainstream movie, like action star type of role, and didn't work. Yeah, yeah, it 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 just fell flat. The entire movie just completely fell flat. Um, it it was just so boring. Um, whatever. Um, Russ, give me one. Uh, sure. 
Um, let's just go. I, you know, I, I I already know. Uh, I'm gonna say because I know that the, uh, there's another couple that'll probably come up, so I'll wait on those. And I'll say uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Ooh. Yeah, that's 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 on my list of like as that goes into what I was saying before. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this movie? And it's so weird because I enjoyed Godzilla and I thought Kong Skull Island was fun. So what happens when you remove any semblance of fun from these movies <laughs> make them entirely expository? Look, Russ, didn't you like all 19 references to King Kong? Oh, there's so many references. No, nah, I didn't care. Like, <laughs> this, like, we've seen, we've seen in the last few years now, a few ways at how uh, building a cinematic universe doesn't work. Yeah. And, and this this is one of the weirdest ones. It's like a slow crawl to I don't care anymore. The Universal Monsterverse. Like, the, 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 uni- the Universal Monster thing, that died in a heartbeat because the first movie was dog shit. Is The Invisible Man not part of that? No, that okay. that's just... Blumhouse said, can we, like, make some of these movies if we have an idea? And Universal said, okay. Okay. And that looks... um, But... Godzilla King of Monsters makes it seem like they looked at all the Godzilla films in history, which is, like, 37 Godzilla films. So many. And said, you know what they've never done? Had Godzilla fight another monster. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like... It's, it's, it's all it's, of them except for one, really. It's all, it's all of them except the first one. Yep. And that goes for even the Godzilla movie we saw two years ago. That goes for the King Kong movie we saw a year and a half ago. Yeah. Like, it treats monsters fighting as the thing we signed up for. We've seen that in every single iteration of this character or yeah. other characters that you're trying to reference a million times. Yeah. There, it didn't bring anything new to the equation. Um, I admittedly do really enjoy Godzilla films, um, and this is not the worst, and it's nowhere near the top of the list. Um, oh, so like Shin Godzilla, oh, that has a new spin to it. Yeah. That's Shin Godzilla fantastic. is amazing. Yeah. So good. Oh, I want to go watch Shin Godzilla now. Um, this, again, it, it, this I feel like also falls into like the irre- uh, irrelevant, unnecessary, what are you trying to do? Um, fair of, of that that we seem to keep coming around almost like I don't know like the Pet Cemetery reboot like who gives a crap like why are you doing this it's because Stephen King's name has been attached to stuff that's actually been getting made and making money nowadays right like there is no reason for another Godzilla movie to come out um, without any like decent idea to it yeah yeah I don't I and like the biggest thing that I think uh, the the previous Godzilla film that like Gareth Edwards really hit was the scale of Godzilla felt important, felt new, felt wild. And like I, the most lasting image for me from the last Godzilla film was when they were in the airport and you just saw the absolute enormity of the circumference of one of his feet. Yeah. And this movie seems to not give a shit about yeah. that. It's weird. And it's, it's as, Yeah. All right. I am going to, I feel like the, we all have very similar lists at this point. Um, and so I will be choosing Zombieland Double Tap. Um, Ooh. 
Oh, I forgot about that movie because I I only watched 20 minutes of it. (laughs) This movie was horrendous um, and unnecessary and it it fits into all the criteria that all the other ones did. Like, there there was no reason for this to come out how many years after The Last Zombieland? Like, seven years? And people were, like, clamoring for a sequel? Like, no. Um, There's nothing new that was being added to it. Uh, So many recycled jokes. Uh, It felt just dumb. Like why why were why are we bringing back Zombieland? Are, I didn't like zombies are barely even still around, are they? Like who cares? It, it's not even like it's like do people still watch The Walking Dead? Do people still read The Walking no. Dead? Isn't The Walking Dead like ending? Do the people com- still like Jesse Eisenberg? Did uh, people like Jesse Eisenberg? <laughs> you saw Art of Self Defense. I I liked Art of Self Defense is is on my top thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I almost watched it the other day. Um. But again, it's like, sure, Woody Harrelson is always charismatic because he's just doing Woody Harrelson. Um, But, like, uh, Emma Stone really feels like she's slumming it for this one. Don't know what happened. Even Eisenberg almost feels like he's slumming for this one at this point. It's so weird. And that's Eisenberg. I know. (laughs) Did anyone else see this? I don't remember. I tried. Yeah. I I started it and I hated it and I shut it off. Oh, wait, I just said no. I did see it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so... It's so bad. It 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 is. It's really bad. I forgot to even add it on my list of movies I've seen. It, it's it's atrocious. It's just not funny. No, it's not funny or interesting. It's not funny. It's unnecessary. The first one was fun. It was something new in a zombie genre type thing. Like not super new, but like new enough. Um, a decent comedy within that trappings, and this one. It feels like they're just trying to do it so hard, and it just does. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, this movie. This movie felt. I don't. As I said, I only watched twenty minutes, but this movie felt like when someone signed someone signed four of their friends up to do karaoke, and none of the four friends wanted to sing that song. Yeah, and they filmed it and then charged you for it. It feels like it feels like a contractual <laughs> obligation in some way. Where it's yeah. like, like, oh, you've got like, you've got to make this fourth album for us. Like, what are you gonna do? And it's like, and it's just like th- them almost saying like, "Fuck you" to the to the company to be like, "I'll put you don't care what I do because I just have to make an album, or you don't care what I do because yeah. I just have to make a movie." This is what we're gonna do. Yeah, who wanted slash needed this movie to be made? No one. Couldn't tell. I don't know. I don't even know how it did at the box office. I assume bad. I, I hope bad. I hope yeah. it did worse than books for. I don't know. Uh, Pete, what else you got for us? Um, I, I, so I have the two left, as I said, all in the same vein. And one of them is the too many chiefs, not enough Indians, uh, men in black international. Oh, I almost put this on too. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's on mine. Like what an absolute fuck. Like every single story behind the scenes feels so evident on screen that every single actor, like both Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson brought in their own writers and because it was just and like uh what's his f gary gray did this right yeah yep had issues with everyone it was just like this movie had nothing like the writers didn't like the directing the director didn't like the editors and the notes from the studio the studio didn't like the writers that were brought in this movie is the definition of like just don't make it yeah yeah. There's so much working against you. Don't do it. 
Yeah, nothing nothing about this movie feel felt necessary for anyone involved. Like no st- like even for the time it is, like we don't care about men in black anymore. No. Nope. We don't care about this idea and one of my favorite criticisms about this movie comes from uh the Blank Check podcast in which you're like why is men in black international? The idea of men in black is not an international idea. That's a really good point. No. <laughs> And it was a funny thing. It was like one of the funniest things was like if you saw a white man in a white and black suit in the middle of Egypt, you would call all the police. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like it's like who who wanted who needed this? Who wanted this? No one. Like men is a kitschy idea that references a stupid like a weird cons- like seven conspiracy theories. And winks at you like, maybe they're true. We don't need that anymore. No. No. And I think even the, the, the third one needed a fucking hook to it. Yeah. For us to look back fondly on the third one. And they did not need to do this again. Nope. Not at all. Uh, Russ, do you have any more? Uh, I mean... Do it. Do it. Play it. Play that trump card. Dark Phoenix. Yeah, there it is, baby. There it is. Dark Phoenix. It, I I almost don't want to use any more of my life talking about how useless that movie was, but it it took all of the things that X-Men movies have done terribly for the last 19 years and like amplified them. Oh, you want to know who that what that mutant's name is? How about <laughs> Nah. Uh, <laughs> hey, you want to know what that island of Genosha is and, like, uh, why this matters at all and what this is within the construct of the comic books? Nah. You you, you want to keep the same cast and somehow say they're 30 years older than they were, even though they're not, and you want to give people power and and larger context within the X-Men universe than they've ever had at any point in the comics, no matter what, because Mystique has never mattered more ever than she did in the movies. Yep. Sure. You want to have the same exact writer write the movie that he wrote 13 years ago when it was real bad, but have him direct it this time and see if he learned any lessons? Nope. No. This movie... Shouldn't have come out. They, it, it was clear it was bad. And they're like, oh, it was designed for a winter release. I'm like, people aren't dumber in the winter. <laughs> yeah, Talk I think right off. That's the thing that elevates this movie to the absolute hands down worst movie of the year because it is written and directed by the writer of X Men Three. Like you. You and uh, other films, other X Men films too. It's like you had your chances. It's not you like men saw and- it not work. You were part of why it didn't work, yeah. and you took. Like, I- I'm curious, what were the lessons he learned from X Men Three that we got in? Like, what did he learn? If yeah. anything, it's like he's like, oh, you know, when we introduced all those Morlocks but we didn't say who what their names were back then, and we kind of changed their powers even and gave them shit they didn't have. What if we, like, expand that? 
Yeah, this wasn't like a, you know, oh my god, I can't believe those people took your baby away and ruined it. Nope. It's yours again. Now make it fly. Like, it's not that. It's I would same. never let this guy raise, like babysit my kids because if, if you couldn't learn a single lesson the first time around, you're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. This movie's the worst. And it, it, I, I kicked it back and forth between this and Men in Black International for a really long time before I settled and Zombieland too. Before I settled on those movies were made, but for I get why those were made. Sony is like, hey, we have these franchises and we don't have enough. We don't if we don't have Spider-Man, we don't have comic book movies. So we need to do stuff. Fox. What was really good? Why did you do? And like what? And and let's just look at let's not look at the whole X-Men universe. Let's just look at first class. What does first class have to do with Days of Future Past? Nothing. Nothing. No. What does Days of Future Past have to do with Apocalypse? Nothing. Nothing. And what does Apocalypse have to do with this? Nothing. Nothing. You're trying to continue. You're trying to tell me that this is like a continued story of this iteration of X Men, but you you don't even get like the basic rules of storytelling to make me continue to care about people. Fuck right off. How. How long through a couple years ago did we talk about the hilarity of how old um, Cyclops and Havoc are supposed to be? Oh, yeah. And yeah. then it's like, at this point, it's like, I don't care. Like, their ages are so dumb and so off. I don't care anymore. This is, why are you, do- stop doing this. Yeah. They're supposed to be brothers, but at the least, you figure Havoc is what, 18 to 20 in 1962? Yeah. He should be, I don't know, at least 38 by the time he <laughs> dies in Apocalypse. <laughs> and Cyclops, his younger brother, who should be his older brother, but whatever, I'll forgive that, is you figure 16 to 18? So they're brothers with a 20-year age gap at the best. Yeah. Or at the at the very least 20 years, and I'm being... Super generous there. What are these movies? Get go away. Like and go away. We harped on for so long, which when Cyclops said he was the one that was supposed to make something of his life, and it's like he was an army sergeant at like thirty eight, <laughs> right? And also, you weren't even in the house as, as him at the same time. <laughs> like you, you never knew him. That's your brother from a like that's like from a different relationship. Like mom got remarried or something. Yeah. That's not the brother who lived with you because he would have been in college. Right. Or he would have been he we saw him not living with you when he was a member of the X-Men for the first movie and then the military. Yeah. Get out of here. And then what is his job in the third movie? <laughs> <laughs> now granted, we're not talking about Dark Phoenix. Right. But it's like Dark Phoenix took every bad lesson you could learn from every bad X-Men movie along the way and distilled it into one entirely forgettable film that also introduces aliens. Oh, I forgot about the aliens. Yeah, they're aliens. <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, and, God. And it's fine. You can add aliens to damn near anything. They're like an accoutrement. Yeah. But you... You're just like, oh, by the way, okay, there's aliens now. 
What are they? What are they called? Where are they from? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh. What a shitty movie! It's so bad. It is so bad, and and it's why honestly I want all franchise Marvel. Yeah, you guys can keep doing what you're doing. I like them. Yeah. Uh, DC continue to make movies that aren't connected to other movies. You seem to be doing okay with that. Everyone else, sit the next couple years out. And let's stop weaving franchises together or, or making narratives that don't fit because you have actors that that are more popular than others. Just stop. New Mutants is now coming out, though, right? Which? Finally, it's supposed to come out in uh, uh, April. And it's a, and it's going to be the cut that the guy initially wanted before they wanted to add reshoots to it to do some other X-Men stuff to it. That's good. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. It looks like it's going to just stand on its own two feet and be a movie not connected to anything else. I'm cool with that. Like all the X-Men movies. And that's the thing. Like, you don't have to connect to everything. You're not good at it. Yeah. And I hope that's the one lesson that's learned with all these franchises and interconnected franchises and shared universes. Not everyone can do it. So if you can't, just don't. Yeah. Make movies that people want to see. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Whew. P, do you have any others? Well, this is, well, the thing about this movie, like, I'm so upset. (laughs) (laughs) We had, we had such a lovely discussion about some really great flicks and I'm very excited about hearing everyone's top 10 now, but I'm in such a sour mood. Dark, fuck dark Phoenix. (laughs) It, It really is the worst. But the thing is, it's not like they fuck something up. It sh- it never it was never going to be good. It no. should have been good. You should have known the entire time. Like it's it's not like it, you know it's not the movie that says as Russ said it's not the movie that says Marvel stop. It's not the movie that says hey Marvel be be careful. Like it came after a couple turds in a row. Yeah. In which no one and, and as I said nothing was done to change the tide to say. This is what needs to happen for us to save this. Yeah. And the diminishing returns were there. Yeah, okay. The high watermark was that that Days of Future Past, which is like, in my eyes, people just saw that because that was connecting two different universes of X-Men movies together. I think that's why that one made as much as it did. It's not that good. No, it's not. And by that good, I mean it's not good. No. It's not good. They, They, At best, that was like the last time that there was at least some cool scenes. And then the third, and then the apocalypse movie all had one cool Quicksilver scene. Oh yeah, and a mostly shit-tastic movie. That one felt like X Men Three. That one was. And then this one feels like what if X Men Three was written by like a guy who's a day away from committing suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody. And I'm making no light of suicide, but it feels like a suicide note of a film. Sorry. Man, I am drained. After all the like the honorable mentions, it was all fun and games, and now I feel drained after all this while. And Peter, you knew this when you said do it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. It had to happen. It's the worst movie of the year. Worse than Joker? Ooh, yes. Because I could at least watch Joker again. I dark. I saw Dark Phoenix uh, one of the one of the last days of school uh, before I left my other job, and I saw it at like three thirty p.m. And I got home 
And my roommate was like, oh, where were you? I was like, oh, I just got back from work. He's like, it's kind of late. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know why I got back. So, oh, my God, I saw a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's infuriating. It's it's annoying. I hate it. I don't, none of the other movies we talked about make me feel this way. No. Wow. I didn't like, hate it as much as Zombie Land or Money Black. But I angry. Men in Black was dumb. Godzilla was dumb. Dark Phoenix is just a whole other level of dumb. That's like, you people have billions of dollars at your disposal to make things. Yeah. And I understand why you make some things that are dumb sometimes. This should have never happened. And happened with the exact, with the same fucking people. You deserve to lose every studio. I'm, I'm happy Disney absorbed Fox. If this is how you were throwing your money around. Yeah. That is, yeah. That just happened this week, didn't it? The like the oh, dropping yeah, they, of the Fox name. They're, they're dropping Fox. That's 20th Century Studios. Yeah, and uh, Searchlight Pictures. Pictures. Oh, the Searchlight doesn't really roll off the tongue, but 20th yeah. Century Studios, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. <sighs> we go home. I can't talk. I can't. Yeah, I'm now angry. I think that I think that that's a good place to call it. What do you guys think? Please, Pete. Do you have any Alex, other worsts? Alex thoughts. <laughs> You can find us on the web at moviemoviepodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at moviemoviepc. You can email us your thoughts, complaints, what you thought of Dark Phoenix to moviemoviepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can rate us on iTunes by looking for The Priest and the Beekeeper, which is the name of our improv troupe. We have a improv, well, a, a variety comedy show that we do the third Thursday of every month with our good friends and co-hosts Nick Maritato and Zach Sims called Pig Pile. It's at 8 p.m. at Long Island City's beautiful The Creek in the Cave. Our next show is February 20th. Um, so come on out for that. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to have probably, uh, probably two more podcasts before that show comes out, uh, before that show happens anyway. Um, so you'll have plenty more of us to tell you to keep coming to our show. Uh, so until next week, when we can finally, finally reveal our top 10 lists, we'll see you then. Yes, my, my, my whistle is wet. Mine too. I'm